0: I'd say pick happy over normal 10, you know, 10 times out of 10. I need something that has purpose. For me, I've just realized that helping other human beings, it feels like it fulfills that purpose. And I started looking around and I'm like, do I really need more stuff to walk past? Like what is my goal in life? Is it to just accumulate as much shit as I can so that I can walk past a bunch of really cool stuff because that's all I do? You know, the all of the systems that we have in modern culture were not meant to help you find your individualism, mm-hmm. right? Like School, for all of the good things it's done for a lot of people, it creates really obedient machines because society, in order to move forward, needs cogs, right? And Mm so school trains you to be a cog in that machine. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is all the people that somehow step outside of that machine, the Steve Jobs of the world, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that end up building the machine for everybody else to follow. Yeah.
1: You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncie's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right, this week on the OPP, we were talking to my friend, Rick Alexander. Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, Rick. Um, we can go a lot of different ways with your bio. Sure. I'm going to steal what your Instagram account says, human potential junkie.
0: Yeah, I like that. Anything?
1: about changing that, but I like yeah? it. Yeah, if you change it, what would you change it to? Uh, I think a human movement advocate okay yeah okay I like that anything else you want to add to that bio
0: for our listeners no I think uh, I think that tells the story right Um, I think that is a collective of all kinds of different experiences that I've had between Mm -hmm. being in the military um, you know I was just thinking about it in the last month a lot everything I've done up until now the supplement companies the podcast that I have the book that I'm writing at the end of the day those are all just different outlets for me to express the fact that I'm an advocate for human movement and in the power that that actually brings. And so I think it sums it up well.
1: Okay. Uh, I would agree with that. I like that, but, but I'm glad you mentioned a couple of things in there. So, so you, you are currently active military. You will be finished in a few months. Uh, you've got history with running your own supplement company. You have a podcast, you have a book coming out. Yeah. um, long history in, in health and, and some really, really cool feats of human performance. So we'll touch on a lot of this stuff. Um, the podcast, by the way, uh, Lionheart Radio, yeah. amazing show. You have some great guests on there. So if you guys are looking for uh, a second podcast to listen to in your rotation, go check out Lionheart Radio.
0: And you were one of them. You were one of I was, those guests. I was yeah. one of the guests, yeah.
1: So um, I want to start with something called Choice Architecture.
0: Okay.
1: You... Have embodied this, and and we've talked about some of the ways that you've done this in in your past, and and you continue to do it in in your daily routine now. For our listeners, if you guys are not familiar with this, choice architecture is a really cool behavioral concept. It's actually used a lot in marketing. Um, people that make money selling you things understand that you know if they if you go to a used car or, or even a, a new car dealership, you know they show you the highest model first, like the the top of the line. Uh, With all the bells and whistles, you know, and then it makes it, uh, makes you less likely to want the one that has, you know, cloth seats instead of leather seats. Or if you walk into Best Buy, they have the biggest TVs up front and then the smaller ones are in the back. So there have been some studies where uh, behavioralists changed the order in which food was presented in a cafeteria. And by putting healthier food first, people actually ate healthier and chose healthier options. So with that being kind of said and explained, I, I want to get you to tell our listeners some of the ways that you've built this in, either consciously or subconsciously, um, whether you knew it was a thing or not. Yeah. Um, how are you creating better defaults for yourself to, to make decisions that are in line with your long-term goals, right. no matter how you feel in any given moment? Right, yeah,
0: I'm smiling a little bit because uh, you know, self-realization has to be the first part of that. So you need to understand the kind of person you are to understand um, and and honestly, you need to put yourself in situations to figure out the kind of choices that you have a natural inclination to make, because that's going to be the first thing, because, you know, maybe you're the kind of person that chooses depending on your past, your worldview, how you were brought up. Maybe you're the person that chooses the healthy option first anyway. Right. So that's not something you need to change. Uh, I'm not. Right. I was given ice cream every night before I went to bed. So I had to understand that about myself, that I have this inclination. Uh, almost self-destructive way of eating, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to start with that in order to change your relationship with food. That would be the first thing I would say.
1: Well, and and it doesn't have to to just be in the food realm. You know, that's that's just the way the researchers studied it in in that particular case. But, you know, and a little bit of background for our listeners, you are – involved in a lot of, uh, and we'll talk about some of your projects that you have coming up, but you love endurance stuff. You've done some, some 12 hour things. You've done some hundred mile things. You recently just did 205 miles in 76 hours at Tahoe. You're wearing the Tahoe endurance hoodie right now. I
0: don't think I've taken it off since I finished. I wouldn't either.
1: (laughs) I would live in it. I'd sleep in it. I'd wear it every day. Um, but I mean, that has to be something that that comes into play, whether it's training for an event like that or
0: or finishing an event like that. Yeah. You know what? Um, My mindset on this has evolved and I think, you know, there's certain things in life that will get you to a point. And then in order to get further, it's kind of like what got you here won't get you there, that Mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. So when you get to a certain point, you realize, okay, I really need to open up my aperture in order to get where I want to get. Right. But the first thing I think that I credit, you know, a lot of my success. and. Honestly, when you're going through my bio, there's a lot of failures in there, right? I just, I don't publicize those, but it's important to know. Right. Um, but early on in my career, especially going through uh, like a military special forces selection, one of the things that served me was to take uh, failure off of the table. So I'm of the mindset that willpower is overrated. And I'm sure you've heard that before. Right. It's a, it's a waste of bandwidth, in my opinion. Um, you know... Anybody that's done the ketogenic diet can attest to the fact that trying to, the worst way you could go about that is to buy sugar and keep it in your house, right? Right. I mean, uh, that's a recipe for failure all day long.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned that as an example because when, when I first read about Choice Architecture, that was the exact scenario where I had been using it because I've been helping people with nutrition for over a decade now mm-hmm. and I've, I've always told them, you can't eat what you don't have. Right. So if you want to eat healthy and you don't buy healthy food, there's zero chance you're gonna cook it and eat it. Right. And if you don't buy Oreos or ice cream and keep them in your house, the odds of you eating them when willpower is low significantly decrease. Like if you buy it and you bring it in your home, what do you think's going to happen?
0: Who's gonna eat it? And here's the thing, even if you get away with it and you don't eat it, how much bandwidth did you waste? Right. 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 I mean you hear about uh, you know Obama had like the same suit that he would wear every single day. Mm Uh, Steve Jobs. He always wore that stupid ass turtleneck yep. because he, he he wanted to free up he, yeah. that bandwidth.
1: He, he wasted zero effort
0: mentally on what he was going to wear each day. That's Same right. thing. Yeah. yeah. So sugar and cocaine, get it out of your life, right? <laughs> and, and because the, that addiction is so strong, it, it's going to help you if you if you just remove it from your life. So, and I'll give you an example of uh, a way that that plays out. So when I was going through uh, a selection process, we used to have what was called the brick tread. And I, I've told you this story before. And basically what happens is, you treaded water in the pool, you had a face mask that was full of water, uh, so you couldn't breathe through your nose. If you started sucking through your nose, obviously you kind of felt like that drowning sensation. Right. And you had to kick, uh, scissor kick with both feet. You weren't allowed to do the egg beater, which is advantageous, obviously, when you were uh, treading water. Mm-hmm. And you had to wear boots, combat boots with, uh, you know full camis on mm-hmm. and what would happen is the instructor would tell you right arm out of the water and then you would keep treading and you'd have a brick in your hand and then you'd say left arm out of the water and then you'd have the brick in the other hand and then they would say hand with the brick out of the water well when you're going through this it feels like chaos right, right? i mean you can't see and you're not the only one in the water no, no, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so, so there's like, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, so people are quitting all around me. I mean, right. we, we lost a lot of people that day, right? <laughs> lost a lot of good men out there. <laughs> and so people are quitting, like, left and right, and you don't know what the hell is happening. Instructors are yelling from all angles, and uh, and people are quitting. It just sounds like chaos. Now that I've been an instructor, I realize the the control behind the whole thing. Right. Really, it's not nearly as chaotic as they make it seem, but that's for a reason, right? Right. And when I was going through that, for me, the water was the hardest part of, of training, right? So there's always gonna be something that gets you when you go through a, a selection process like that. Maybe for me, I was a good runner, but if it, if it came to the water, that was like what was hard for me. Well, I had to get to a point in that process where I'm struggling to struggling to breathe, I'm not good in the water as it is, and I'm not comfortable in the water because I didn't grow up swimming. And I remember having this inflection point where I was like, this is it, man. <laughs> you you need to quit right now but i i took that off of the table so for me you know it was like there was no option. It was go down with the ship. It was like kick until there's no more kick left in you. And then I kind of had to make the decision like, well, I guess I'm going to go down with the ship. And I made that decision because in that, in that point, up until then, I had taken quit off the table through everything we did in training. It was never going to be an option.
1: Right. And you mentioned that we've had this conversation before, and that's why I wanted to kind of lead with this to sort of give our listeners some insight into how you've uh, there's another way that this is described. It's actually called a, a Ulysses pact. Um, and, you know, that's from basically from uh, Odysseus uh, in the Iliad, where he had his men, uh, he lashed himself to the mast. And as they went past the sirens, he had his men put uh, beeswax in their ears so they couldn't hear the songs. He told them not to uh, untie them until they were past the, the potential threat. Okay. So, um you you told me that you made that deal with yourself on day one long long before you were ever in that environment right so when when that moment hit your options weren't like quitting wasn't even one of the options in your head you you didn't actually have to think that through in that chaotic moment and i think that's the important thing is that and that's what choice architecture is or or creating better defaults it's making that pact with yourself so that you know, you make it in a moment of strength so that in a moment of weakness, your choices are
0: better. Exactly. Right. Exactly. When you wake up in the morning, you don't, most people don't decide, do I want to brush my teeth or not? Right? Right. Uh, not brushing your teeth is never an option. You, you brush your teeth when you leave the house, right? Right. And uh, I think if something's truly important to you and you want to get somewhere in life, you need to figure out what it is, it's the milestones that are going to be important to getting you there. And you need to make that pact with yourself. So how did you
1: use this with the, the Tahoe 205 miles? Because, you know, we talked about, you know, the, the stress fractures, the, the lost toenails, the, the skin coming off your feet weeks later, like there, there had to have been many moments during that. You, you even said you had some, some pulmonary
0: issues. I did. Yeah. So I got high altitude pulmonary edema around mile 80. So from 70 mile 70 to up to 103 was climbing. So it was just, um, almost all uphill except for about two miles. And, uh, Yeah, I developed some some uh, cardio respiratory like fluid, and uh, I couldn't lay down. Felt like I was drowning, and it it was weird for me because obviously you know I ran ten ultras in the last year, so cardio baseline aerobic conditioning has never been an issue for me, and it was weird because I was put in this position where. um, I struggled to breathe really hard. I could, if I were to actually put out, I could only go about 10 feet before I had to stop and be doubled over trying to breathe. And so for someone like me that hasn't been like that since I was a kid, you know what I mean? Um, That was something that was really difficult to breathe. And this is where I was talking about kind of what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't going to quit. Of course, quitting was never an option for me. I had raised a lot of money for the Heroes Project before I did this run and I couldn't Well, and that's that's another way to sort of sort of elevate
1: your game and, and make sure that you can bust through your own plateaus is like, you know, if you weren't doing it for the people, you know, that, that was a fundraiser for heroes and and for veterans, right? you know, so without them being, you know, your motivator, I'm not saying you, but people, the, the universal you,
0: we could be, we'll let ourselves down before we let other people down for sure. Yeah, right. for sure. And, and that's the thing. It's like when you go work out by yourself, are you going to do that last rep? Maybe. Depends on what's on the line. Right. When you take $3,000 from your friends and family for a cause you believe in, <laughs> quitting was never never right. put on that table. Right. 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 Um, but then the other thing uh, that I've found to be extremely important is creating um, a positive counterfact in your life, okay. in, in your head. Yeah. You know, like uh, familiar with what that is? Like go to your happy place kind of. Kind of, yeah. So um, the, I think the best way I've heard it explained is, is a bank robbery. So if you're in a bank and there's 50 people in this bank and uh, a mass robber comes in, he holds up the bank and he fires one shot and that shot hits you in the arm, right? There's a couple kinds of the pessimistic person is going to say, could have been any bank, could have been any person, it could have been any arm. There's a hundred arms in there and I happen to be the guy that got hit, right? You have that negative counterfact. Right. When it, the reality is a uh, that Round could have been a couple, a foot to the left or right, a couple inches, one way or the other, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not here anymore, right? right? How lucky am I that it hit me in the arm and nowhere vital? Right. That's a that's a positive counterfact, and so uh, I like the this is good because statement. Mm-hmm. This is something I I really practice a lot, and it sounds a little bit maybe esoteric or um, maybe a little too uh, self-helpy. But man, it's gotten me through some really tough times. So whenever you get a difficult situation, you say this is good because, and then you actually search for the reason that that is actually good in your life, right? Mm. The, the reason that that might help you. Right. And so for me, I developed this high altitude pulmonary edema. I found out later five or six people actually got pulled from the race uh, and had to go to the hospital from, from edema. I'm a medic in the military. I knew if I talked to a medic, they were going to pull me right away. Right. So when I got to aid stations, I stayed the hell away from them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I couldn't lay down because it felt like I was drowning. So it was like, oh, sleep's out the window too. Right. Um, but when I got that, I, I was faced with this thing that, like I said, I haven't had to deal with. That was never part of the game plan. I right. planned a million different scenarios and how this race was going to go. And being out of breath was never one of them. Right. I thought, right? right? I mean, right. I've done so many of these.
1: And I guess just to catch people up who who may not be familiar with this particular event, the altitude goes from basically sea level to like 14,000.
0: Um, no, no. It's, it's not. It's actually like 5,000 it starts. Oh, okay. And uh, it goes up to like almost 10,000. I'm thinking of Badlands. Yeah. But when you're training in Virginia Beach and you don't have a hill. Right. And you haven't seen altitude, like 5,000 <laughs> yeah, matters. Our elevation here is like seven feet. Right. Exactly. Right. And so every time I'd go up above 7,500 feet, lungs would fill with fluid. Instantly couldn't breathe, had to slow way down. So you can't breathe. You can't lay down. You can't talk to the medics. You're That's not right. not sleeping. That's like, right. And you know what I thought is this is good. Because now I have to slow down. It's going to force me. I'm going to have my legs later on in the race when my lungs clear up. Whereas maybe if I would have stuck to my game plan, you know, everyone's got to plan until they get punched in the face. Right. I'm a firm believer of that. Right. Um, I had a game plan. I had thought it through every scenario I possibly could have going into this race to set myself up for success. And then all of a sudden I'm faced with a damn scenario I just did not plan for. And all I could think of is, well, this is good because it's going to save my legs for later on in the right. race. Right. And, um, and so I had to slow down off my pace. My goal was to finish under 72 hours. Uh, by mile 103, I realized like I had to slow down so much that was probably not going to happen. Right. Um, and, and, and Sure enough, going into the last 40 miles, my lungs had cleared up. I had spent a lot of time at a lower altitude okay. and uh, I had my legs. And I passed, like, lots and lots of people on those final climbs. Nice. Yeah.
1: Nice. So you mentioned before trying to find those moments where you realize that the person you are is not the person you need to be to continue to make progress in your life. Mm. And I think the way you phrased it was to realize that you need to open that aperture Mm. more. I love that. I think that's such a powerful piece of advice. How do you know when it's time to open that aperture? Because not every time... Will it be an experience where you have, uh, you know, a pulmonary issue from elevation?
0: Yeah. you, know you want to tell you how I do it or how I think people should do it? <laughs> Let's do both. Yeah. No, you know, I think personally a lot of people don't take an unbiased look at themselves. Right. It's a really hard thing to do. I mean, I have trouble with it. How many, how many times do you step back and look in the mirror and honestly assess the skills that you have, right? Right. Um, for me, what I've found, because it's hard to know – uh, it's hard to know what you don't have, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Right. So the way that I go about it is I take on projects and uh, events that are way too big for me. Before I had ever finished a 100-mile race, I signed up for this 200-miler. And what happens is if, you, if you're if you honest with yourself and you really want to achieve this thing, you're going to have to level up in order to do so. And by taking that unbiased look, you, you canvas the skills that you have and that you don't have and that that's the way that you do it. And that's the way that I figured out how to level up. I mean, the first uh, I signed up for a 100 miler without ever training for it at all. And I thought I could just do it because that's kind of how my life is. <laughs> and I went out there and I and I literally didn't make it. I didn't quit. But I got pulled at mile 70 because I didn't uh, make the time cut off. Okay. Right. And man, I was pissed. And I had a couple days where I was like really down on myself for, for feeling like a failure. And as soon as I kind of got out of my own head, I signed up for a 200 miler and, and that caused me throughout that year to level up in a way that I've never leveled up in my life. And I don't have a runner's body. Like we're doing this on audio, so maybe everyone won't see it, but right. I weighed about 230 pounds at 5'10 when I signed up for this 200 miler.
1: Yeah. And, and how much did you weigh when you, did the,
0: when you actually did it? Uh, I was down to 209. Okay. And I was at 192 when I finished. Wow. Yeah, I lost 18 pounds. Wow. Yeah. I saw the picture afterwards. I mean, you looked like you needed a good meal and like three yeah. days of sleep. Right. Yeah. Right?
1: That's exactly what I needed. Um, you mentioned that that you've had some failures in your life. What's maybe the biggest failure? That I've had? Yeah. That you could talk about.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, the biggest failure that I've had, I, um, I've i had some personal failures, but we'll go with a good professional one. <laughs> I, uh, I started a clothing company. When I, I knew that I wanted to run my own business, and I knew that I wanted to work in, in fitness. Because like I said, I think all these things I've done have just been an expression of me being an advocate of human movement. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to work in the fitness company. So I thought, oh, I'll start a fitness apparel company. Not realizing that I was going to end up in the textile industry. right And uh, style and design is something I've never been good at. Um, and I struggle hard, you know, it, you, and you know when you're not working within so, something that really resonates with you because everything is a struggle. Right. And, you're, and you start never being excited about things, right? Right. Um, and, and I joined up with a guy that wasn't a great partner for me at the time and I, it was my first time trying to partner on a business venture and I lost a ton of money. I mean, a ton of money for me at the time. It was like $25,000 probably. Uh, and I just got to a point uh, maybe a year later where I was like, and this was the first time I'd ever failed and I was like... But at least in in recent memory, and I, and because I went to the military, a lot of people think I wasn't gonna thought I wouldn't make it through selection, and I and I crushed it um, in my own opinion, and uh, but I made it, right. and, and so I was like, damn, like, I just have told everybody about this company, like I have to tell them that I'm quitting, that I'm failing, that right. I'm closing it down, um, because I got to a point where I I thought uh, I have no no honest way of 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 going forward with this in any way that looks like a success to me. Right. Um, you know what I did though? I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of reframing failure as learning. And and I, I had to fail in order to learn that. Right. Like I had to learn, like, you're not going to run a hundred miler without uh, training for it. At least I'm not. right? Right. I think some people probably could, but I wasn't one of them. Um, every business you run isn't gonna, it's not gonna work. You have to inventory what happened. You have to figure out what went right, what went wrong. You know, I think a lot of times in life, people don't sit back and and actually reflect on the process. Uh-huh. They just try to move on to the next thing in order to avoid the pain and avoid the hurt and all the things that come, come with a negative, uh, come with a failure and I think it's super important that you go through that process and you really like look back and reflect on, on what you learned so that you can double down and you can be in your next effort, you'll be successful. Right. Right. And if you don't, you, you do it again, you know?
1: I mean, you strike me as a guy and, and I, I mean, I, I follow you on social media. We talk quite frequently. I know you stay moving. You have a lot of projects. Yes. How do you build the time in to have that quiet and that reflection?
0: meditation mm. truly and, and mm. that's another thing it's like I had to had to evolve in my thinking like mm-hmm. if you to come to me uh, right as a you know after my first couple deployments and you were like listen man meditation' gonna be something <laughs> that you need to put in your life right you know I'd have been like no <laughs> right <laughs> to put uh, politically correct I have said no right um, but I've just realized like you need to get space between your actions and your thoughts mm-hmm. you have to build that space in there and for me that's been meditation mm-hmm. And truthfully long distance running, um, ultra marathons for me, that's the most extreme form of meditation there is. Yeah. You you said that you learned a lot about yourself at the Tahoe race. What'd you learn uh, other than how much the pulmonary issues sucked? So, you know, something that's interesting is I'm the kind of guy like see a wall run through the wall. Mm -hmm. That's, that's been my mentality forever. Like I said, in school, it was like, you don't quit. You could go down with the ship if that's what you have to do, but you keep moving forward. Um, Of course, in Tahoe, I wasn't going to quit, but I had to get to a point where I had to evolve to that mindset piece that I talked about earlier, which is why every time anyone asks me about it, I'm super excited to talk about that. uh, This is good because statement, right? Because I really learned in that moment, the power of of just positive thinking. That was my elbow, by the way. (laughs) I'm not sure if we'll be able to edit that
1: sound out, but that was my elbow. Um, How many mental reps did it take you to get to a point where... Amid mental turmoil, you could
0: use that this is good because statement. Mm. You want to hear another story? Sure. All right. Um, Now, I'm a huge fan of testing yourself. Uh, I I think the more adversity that you can build into your life, the better off you're going to be uh, when it comes through the real situation, Uh when you're put in a situation that you're not equipped for. You know, before I went on my first deployment, one of the most... uh, I don't want to talk too much about the military, but before I went on my first deployment, uh, my boss said to me, he was like, you know, whatever we do up until now is all you're going to have with you. So the amount of preparation that you have is all that you'll be able to take with you when you get in an adverse situation. Mm -hmm. So I took that as like, okay, well, I need to put myself in as many adverse situations as possible so that I'm capable of dealing with them. So first of all, I love that. And I think that
1: that's an approach that everyone should take to all of their training, whether you're training to be the best salesman at at your business, whether you're training to be a professional or Olympic athlete Mm -hmm. or whatever your training is. Training is designed to prepare you for competition, whatever whatever that real world application is Mm -hmm. for that thing. And I think a lot of people don't really take that approach to, to training. But do you think a lot of your colleagues viewed training
0: the same way? Or do you think you were unique in that way? You know, I take a lot of time and reflect on the process, like I said. Right. Uh, when I was in Africa on my third, fourth deployment, uh, I was about to fall asleep, and a girl started pounding on my door, and I was a medic. And so she came in, and she was like, listen, I, you need to go out there. And she was making no sense. She's like, you need to go out there. I'm wearing my pajamas, so I grabbed my med bag. All I got from her was there was some kind of an emergency. I get in the truck with um, another medic and uh, a host nation guy, an African guy. And we drive out to where we think the landing strip is because apparently they think a plane had crashed. We get to the landing strip and they're like, it's not here. you got to go further. And so then we go further and we're driving further. We get to where we think it is again and they're like, you got to go into the trails. So then we get to the point with the truck where we can no longer drive. And uh, this is Africa like you're thinking, the jungle, right? And so we get out of this truck and... We start moving through the woods in the direction that we think this plane crashed. Mind you, I'm in my pajamas, and I've grabbed my med bag, and that is all that I'm equipped with, and then all the training I'd done before that. Right. And I'm with a host nation guy and and, uh, this this girl who's also a, a Navy corpsman. And we end up getting to the point where we have to low crawl through the jungle because it's too thick to walk. And all I've got with me is a radio, and there's a plane flying overhead. And he's like, I'm going to vector you in because you have no navigation equipment. There's no way to tell how we're going to get to where we need to get. And so we're crawling. you're, You're literally crawling
1: blind, and somebody flying overhead is telling you, turn left, turn right, go straight.
0: That's right and but he can't tell us because he can't see us so he would just over one <laughs> way and i'd look up and i'm like okay and i'd go left and then he cruise over the other <laughs> way and then you know and you're like just crawling like a snake in the freaking jungle and it was so thick that all the barbs are kind of like cutting me up i'm wearing pajamas so i I'm, I'm completely exposed my med bag gets torn wide open um and after about an hour of that you know it's completely dark you know when you're, when you're in Africa, you see, you see wild animals. So leading up to that, you know, we had seen lions. We had seen all these things, right? Well, after about an hour of that, we started realizing, like, we are in a hopeless situation. Like, it starts feeling hopeless, right? Like, we're crawling deeper into the jungle. There's no way of telling where. We have no tracking, no navigation equipment. All we have is this plane flying overhead, which seems to be flying in different damn directions every time we look up. <laughs> And uh, after one hour, it kind of started sinking in, like, oh, this is kind of a bad situation. And and after two, three, four, five hours in, we still hadn't got to the crash site, and the people with me are completely breaking down. And the interesting part is in that moment, you know, the girl's uh, crying, the guy is praying out loud. He's like, I know you don't believe in God, man, but I'm freaking out and I'm praying for you. And, you know, the crazy part for me is that the whole entire time, breaking down was never a thing. It was never an option, right? And I don't think that's a natural thing for me. Right. I think what happened is at that moment, I looked back on all the training I'd done up until then. Right. And I couldn't have been more appreciative for deciding to go down with a ship when I was in the pool. Right. Right. I couldn't have been more appreciative for all the times that I threw up on the front of my shirt from running too hard. Right. Because in that moment, in that adversity, which up until then was was one of the strongest you know, adverse situations I had been in, for me, it was like you're, you're solution oriented. Right. And I think that just came from you know, carving out all of those adverse situations through time. And to watch two people break down who hadn't been through the same thing that you had been in the past right. was just such a stark realization of like, oh, that's, that's what people look like when they don't know how to deal with, with tough things. And you don't have to be in the military to see times like that. Right. All well, about the hurricanes that we just went through right,
1: or or Vegas or or any of the right. the things that have happened in in recent um, you know occurrences. Uh, and, and I think this is a perfect segue into the fact that uh, you know this is one of the things I wanted to mention. you know you have a daily habit. I love this. you you force yourself even to this day to face adversity
0: mm-hmm.
1: daily. yeah, try to try to. Yeah. right. and and I think so that's, you know, not everybody listening is, uh, you know, military or, or or going to be in situations, you know, like, like what you're in in Africa. But you're right. Like, you know, maybe maybe they could be of service in, you know, hurricane aid or, or what what have you. But even if they just want to, you know, increase mental or emotional resiliency yeah. or, or, you know, overcome you know, whatever, how do you... Give us some examples of how you face adversity daily and, and how listeners could maybe build that into their daily practice.
0: Yeah, it's, so I think I had to preface that with saying, I think a lot of people in modern society, especially in Western culture, they mistake being comfortable for being happy. And those two things are not related. And, mm-hmm. and I had to realize that. Um, you know, I used to work, uh, so I've always owned a company outside of the military for the last like five or six years. And so I used to work on... Uh, Coronado Island. And then I had my uh, apartment downtown San Diego. And then I had my office in Mission Valley, like 13 miles, the complete opposite direction of work. And um, the company started doing well, and I was doing well at work. And I bought a I bought a Mercedes, right? It was at that time, the nicest thing I had ever owned. And at the same time, I'd started thinking like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like if I could run to work, right? <laughs> and And I was not a runner, like I have to preface that. Right. And, um, you know, as with many things, like the curiosity got the best of me. And so one day I did it and I just decided to run to work. I had four or five hours before a meeting that we had, a team meeting. And it took me long. I mean, it was the slowest half marathon you could imagine. Hilly, hot, just covered in grime like cars going by like just exhaust just a miserable time i had to stop at like jack in the box and eat a bunch of tacos (laughs) because i was falling apart it was awful and uh, i get to my office and i'm like cramping up and i'm rolling out and i'm talking to everybody in the team meeting and they're like why are you so goddamn happy right now and i'm like it struck me right there i'm like the most comfortable nicest thing i've ever owned in my life is sitting parked you know, and I, I drive it to this meeting every single day, five days a week, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just struck me in that moment, like, the comfort that you have in life, it's it's only going to be happy to the amount of discomfort that you apply to your life, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, I, conversely, when I got in that Mercedes later on, it was the most comfortable ride. <laughs> I appreciated that ride the rest of the week, you right. know? Uh, but I had to realize, like, so comfort and, and happiness are just not related, And so I'm constantly looking for ways that I can do that. And if it it sounds crazy, usually, like I said, I'm probably gonna try to take it on. I like the process of leveling up and just figuring that out about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times I've run in one direction as far as I could. I think I've talked to you about this before, but I'll run or bike in one direction as absolute far as I can with no money. And, uh, and I won't bring my phone. So there's no, it's Cortez burn the ships. There's only forward. And so I'll run in one direction as far as I can. And, uh, and then I'll get to the point where it's like, all right, man, well get yourself out of this.
1: What's funny to me about that is I, I, I can see how get yourself out of this is sort of how you've been trained, but the whole put yourself in a situation, you know, where you, know, you leave without the phone, without the money, that is sort of anti everything that you've been trained to kind of, uh, yeah, to sure. always be prepared, sure. but, but I, I get it. And, you know, it's funny, you and I went, uh, we went stand up paddleboarding once this <laughs> summer and, uh, you know, I was proud of myself cause that was about the farthest we- I had ever paddled. Yeah. And, uh, and then the next day you're like, yeah, I'm going to paddle to work. I'm like, how far is that? And you're like, eh, a couple miles. I'll probably leave at like two or three in the morning. Cause yeah. I have to be there by six. Right. I'm like, well, oh shit, there goes my <laughs> ego. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't doing that to kill you either. No, I know uh, you're not, but, but. I, I, that's, I'm always curious. Right. I'm always like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. And and also too, I mean, I'm, I've just realized all of the great things that come, uh, by getting somewhere under your own power. Yeah. You know? And so I'm just, I'm always curious. Like, I wonder if I can do that. And a lot of this kind of is what your book is about, right? Let's talk
1: about that a little bit. The book is burn your couch. That's
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it absolutely is. So, I mean, the, the, Biggest thing in the book is is like what I just said. Like I think most people in Western society, they mistake being comfortable for being happy, um, and I think it's it's manifesting with skyrocketing depression rates, obesity-related diseases, and I think a lot of us could um, kind of look at our evolutionary biology and realize we're kind of hardwired uh, for human movement, mm-hmm. you know, human-powered movement.
1: So, what's what's the biggest thing you've learned
0: in writing the book? Um, well. The writing process is hell. That's what <laughs> that's what I've learned. Yeah. Um, I've been writing this book for five years. You know, I think it's like most people that write a book. You write a book because you have to write a book, yeah. um, not because you want to. And that's how it's been for me. You know, I wasn't naturally a writer. I have grown to love it, but it's it's taken a lot of work. Um, but you know what I've realized? I've I've realized it through my ultras. I realized it through through writing this book. Is that uh, there's layers to this life,
1: uh-huh.
0: and uh, the amount that you feel. Is directly related to how much you suffer for that thing mm-hmm. so let me give you an example if you uh, look at a picture of a painting um, of a nice sunset you're gonna think that's really nice right and you're gonna think um, especially if it's a good painting or it's a good picture with a, with a really good lens and the guy knows what he's doing and you can appreciate the magnitude of it right. to a certain degree right right now if you drive your car up to a bluff and you look at that exact same sunset you're gonna be a layer deeper you're going to feel it a little bit deeper, right? Anyone that's ever stood on a bluff and taken a picture with their phone of a really cool sunset only to look at a lackluster picture, they know that, okay, there's no way to, read to describe that, right? Right. Well, let me go a layer deeper. If you hike all night, right, you get up really early and you hike at 2 in the morning and you hike to the top of that same exact bluff and you get there really tired right as that exact same sun is coming up and you look at it at that point where you got there under your own power and under your own movement – you're as, you've suffered for something beautiful. You're as deep into this life as you can go. Right. And, and I've just realized that's not, you know, for me, that's the way that I, I like to look at things. I like to um, suffer, for lack of a better word, under my own power. But it's the same thing with the birth of a child. Any, anybody that's ever gone in pain for something beautiful knows that there's no way to recreate that. And so I've just realized, you know, our time on this earth is so limited. I'm after as many of those experiences as I possibly can. Like, fuck the pictures, man. You know, I I want a cool Instagram account just as much as the (laughs) next guy, right? But at the same time, like, dude, if I felt it, it, I mean, I remember getting to the top of mile 155 um, with my girlfriend who was pacing me through the night and we got up there right as the sun was setting and we sat down and I was, I had passed out on that climb because I lacked oxygen (laughs) to my brain because I was like, I was in deep in the pain cave and uh, I get to the top finally after it felt like all fucking night. I get to the top right as the sun is going down over the mountains and over the Lake Tahoe. Beautiful, beautiful landscape. And I'll post pictures of that. Um, and I remember I'm sitting there eating this homemade brownie, just so happy that all I have left is 60 miles. And I've gotten through the highest climb in the whole damn thing. And Julie's like, oh, you have to take a picture, babe. And I'm like, we don't. Like I'm in it. This is deep as it's going to get for me. We can take a picture and I'll never look at it again. Because you know, right. when you look at that picture, it's not going to be what it was. Right. Yeah, Yeah, the the pictures can't do that
1: justice. Yeah. How many miles did she do with you? She did 35 miles with me. That's amazing. And she didn't
0: train. She's an animal. I mean, she She hikes It's over a marathon. And it's not like a road race. No, I mean, there's 80,000 feet of elevation change in this race. So 40,000 feet of climbing and 40,000 feet of descent. That's awesome. Yeah, and she went through the heart. I mean, and she is, man, she is 100 times more brave than I'll ever be. But uh, she is... Afraid of the woods at night, <laughs> and she went through like two nights with me. Um, and I'm hallucinating. I'm trying to keep it together for her sake. Um, but yeah, to have her go through that with me is pretty cool. Pretty nice cool experience. Yeah. Nice. So, one of the things in the book
1: that I, that I want to get you to kind of highlight for our listeners the uh, the bucket list blueprint. That's right.
0: Talk about that a little bit. So. You know, like I mentioned, I signed up for that 100 miler because up until then, I had done everything I, I had wanted to do without training, on a whim. Um, you know, a couple years previous, I did a 50 miler without training. It, it was just something I felt like I could do. Like, if I want to do something, I'll just do it. And um, and, and I started to kind of develop that reputation, right? Like when, when you see someone does something cool on Facebook, like I'll be that guy that they tag. And, and I don't say that to brag. I say that because I don't think there's anything inherently special about me. Um, If you look at any world-class athlete, entertainer, performer, there's a way to deconstruct what they do. And people like you, like Tim Ferriss, they've made a great living by deconstructing Mm. those things. And a lot of people are just content to stand on the sidelines wide-eyed and and think that was amazing.
1: And uh, that's the thing that fascinates me is just looking at those people. I mean there is nothing inherently different. I mean, we're all the same meat-covered skeleton with the same physiology. And, you know, the only difference is really bet- what's between the ears. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the biggest difference, right? I, I, there's genetic potential. I think to play... Well, yeah. I mean,
0: to play in the NBA, you've got to have some different genes right. or, or... But the ceiling know, but, for what people are capable of is so much higher than right, where they're operating. Right. From 90% of people, including myself a lot of right, the times. Right. Um, so what the bucket list blueprint is, is it's... I've set back and I've looked at... Okay, what went right with my life and what's gone wrong? Because that was super important. And I realized all the stuff that went right, even if it seemed like I didn't train or I kind of did it on a whim, there was a method to the madness. There right. was a system. And when I didn't follow that system, I ended up failing. Right. Um, so what the bucket list blueprint is, is it's just a way for someone to, to – take a task like, and I like to pick the bucket list because the bucket list is something that everybody picks it stays comfortable in the future right it's something that they would love to do but probably never will Mm -hmm. and they're like oh that's on my bucket list Um, I'm an advocate of just being you know ripped out of comfort I say find your bucket list and do every fucking thing on it because a lot of people don't know where they want to go in life but it's like once you start doing all these things that you think you love you're going to realize some of them like oh I just like the idea of it Right. Um, and then some things you're going to be like I love that it aligned with me and then you're going to step further in that direction. And just by doing that practice over and over, I think you're slowly going to figure out the things in life that you really want to be doing. Three, but essentially what you're doing is you're finding, you know, all the things that
1: you think you want to do, the mm-hmm. ones that resonate, and then you do more of those. So essentially you spend more of your life doing
0: more of what you love. Exactly. And and, and it's a, honestly, like sometimes, you know, you might get down a direction and People, they love to put people in boxes, right? Like your friends, they're not gonna your friends and your family, they're concerned for you. They're not gonna want you to be doing all this crazy stuff. <laughs> right. Right? You just kinda gotta let that go. Like let go of what I'd say pick happy over normal ten, you know, ten times out of ten. Right. Um and, and so it's a relief to start knocking stuff out of your off of your list, you know? So when you start, you know, here's how I do it. I start with the low risk probe. It's by far the most beneficial thing to my life. What is the lowest barrier to entry to that thing that you want to do? Um, If you want to be a rock star, your low-risk probe is playing your guitar in a bar at night on an open mic night, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to run a marathon, your low-risk probe is a 5K. Like, figure out the minimum barrier to entry and just, like, really reflect on that process. And if you liked it, and if you did, then step further in that direction. And if you didn't, get rid of it. Yeah. Life's too short to be doing dumb shit you don't want to do. I love it. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, um, you figured
1: out something that you really like, um, endurance events. Yeah. 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 You've got a big project coming up. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, beyond the book and, and how you're going to, uh, to spend more time doing what you really love? Yeah. So
0: I think deep down, I'm a capitalist, I'm an entrepreneur. I love to create things. Um, but I've realized that there's just something about the human condition that loves to help other human beings. And I don't know what that is, but getting out of the military at 30 years old, the last 10 years of my life have been filled with purpose, right? Right. Right. And so as I look to the next 30 years, I'm like, taking a job at Kinko's for me, it's not going to be the thing. I'm going to hate my life and I'm going to regret my decision. Mm -hmm. I need something that has purpose. For me, I've just realized that helping other human beings it feels like it fulfills that purpose. Uh-huh. Now, like I mentioned with the Tahoe 200, I raised a bunch of money for the Heroes Project. Um, you know, I, I inventoried my skills. one of the skills that I have is the ability to suffer for a really long time. <laughs> and if I can do that and I can impact another group of human beings the, and do the most good in the world, well, I'm just not saying true to myself if I don't do that. Right. Um, so the project that I'm gonna be doing next and all of the money from this book is actually gonna to go to the NPO, the nonprofit organization that I'm forming. Wow. Um, but essentially it will be centered around human powered movement and I will definitely be uh i'm gonna launch a lot of human powered expeditions uh mm-hmm. in order to devote some money and uh awareness to charitable causes and most of those will be uh pediatrics right that's right yeah okay and for me that's just you know the most innocent um it's hard to describe but i've spent a lot of time in medicine and uh this might not come off as polit- politically correct, but when you're in an emergency room and you sit back and you look around, there's a lot of people that wind up in that situation because they haven't put their best foot forward in life. Right. They haven't taken care of themselves. Um, and far be it for me to judge, but also far be it for me to want to help someone that doesn't want to help themselves. Right. You know. And when you deal with the pediatric population, you just realize, like, how innocent. And I, and you know, I've had all these amazing. They haven't been given the opportunity yet the to opportunity. make that choice. And everyone deserves that opportunity right. in my life. Right. Um, yeah. Thanks for rescuing me then. And uh, yeah. And I, We've had that conversation that's before. Right. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm a strong believer in, in really wanting to do some good. And, you know, I have the, this ability, so why not? I didn't realize that the, uh, that the book was going to fund the, the, the non-profit. That's really cool. It's going to be the first thing, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You know, after this race, because that motivator was so powerful, yeah. um, I've realized, I mean, I'm not going to do another thing in this world that doesn't in some way dedicate uh, some money or awareness toward, toward something I believe in. And you
1: told me uh, right before we hit record that immediately following the, the Tahoe 200, that you were like, all right, I'm, I might be done. This might not be happening. Yeah,
0: I had some down days.
1: And then, and then obviously, you know, given given the conversation we've just had, you had some of that reflection, some of that meditation. And, and clearly that's changed. I mean, yeah. What were
0: some of those light bulb moments? That, that kind of got me back into it. Yeah. You know, I woke up the next morning and I couldn't stand on my feet. So I, I had stress fractures in the bottoms of my feet. I lost a bunch of toenails. Um, skin was falling off my feet at like you know half size half dollar size mm. pieces um and I had to crawl downstairs I managed to crawl and find a cookie it was like the most happy <laughs> I've been in a long time it's like the sunset you had, yeah, to, you had to walk up the it, mountain
1: for the sunset yeah
0: it really you is crawl for cookie. <laughs> yeah perspective uh was it a keto cookie yeah it was not <laughs> there's nothing keto about it um but You know, when you, I I think for me, that just had been the longest I'd ever suffered. And I never, you know, there's people that run these on the regular. So, Uh you know, I'm, like I said, nothing special. And I didn't post a time that was amazing. It just happened for me to be the most uh, intense thing I've done up until then. Uh And don't worry, I plan on leveling up from there. But right when it was over, I think I had never pushed pain off for that amount of time. You know, like. Like I said, I couldn't sleep because every time I laid down, it felt like I I was drowning. Um, I was hallucinating every night. So when you're hallucinating because you haven't slept and then you can't sleep, you're just in this awful situation. Mm -hmm. And another thing I realized about putting pain off is that sometimes it comes back. (laughs) And so I would push it off. For hours and hours and then every once in a while it would just feel like I was in an engine room and alarms were going off everywhere. It was like ears were ringing and it would just all boil up and I would be getting rogue paints everywhere and it was just a weird thing to try to deal with. Advil loses its ability after a while, mm-hmm. Tylenol, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: caffeine stops working. And so you're just put in a situation where you're like really having to find <laughs> find uh, the strength and the resolve to find like a positive mindset. Right. And I think when it was all over and being in pain the next day, I just had this moment like, oh, God, was this worth it? And, you know, uh, a buddy of mine, he called this type two fun. And it's something I think maybe a lot of your listeners can um, align themselves (laughs) with. You know, fun, regular fun, everybody understands that. Type two fun is that kind of thing where when you're in the middle of it, you ask yourself, why the hell am I doing this? But then once it's over and you have a minute, you kind of like, have like a little bit of a reflection and you have nostalgia about that and yeah then now all of a sudden you find yourself wanting to do the next thing right um so i just i had that moment right afterward where i was in so much pain that i was like why did i do this <laughs> um yeah. and then that pain went away and i realized i raised a lot of money for a cause i believed in and i found the absolute potential of what my body was capable of in that moment and i can't think of anything but doing it again now
1: i like that type yeah. two fun yeah right um <laughs> Tell our listeners where they can get the book.
0: Um, so if you go to burnyourcouch.com, yeah. I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but right now we have the pre-sale. Um, you go in there, you just enter your email. When the book goes up for pre-sale, you'll just get a link sent to you and you can buy it. Uh, but the book will be on Amazon. My plan is in the coming months to release it as an ebook, hardcover book, as well as an audio book. Okay. Are you going to record the audio yourself? I am.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's a wise move. No, I don't think anybody will be able to do that thing justice yeah. because it's it's your stories, it's your
0: yeah. Voice that's the and thing, you know. It's not um, it's not because I like my voice. I don't. <laughs> it's it's simply because I hate listening to my voice. Yeah, I too. hate it. But, uh, but this book has meant so much to me for so long that it's it would be disingenuous to do it in any other way. I think.
1: Yeah. All right, and guys, remember if you want to grab that book, we'll have a link to burnyourcouch.com dot com on the the show notes here, and that'll be uh, naturalstacks dot slash burn your couch. But uh, you know, remember, like Rick said, all the proceeds from this go to the nonprofit uh, to help the future project and, and to help the charitable organizations. So that's a really cool thing, um, and that's a reason to just go buy the book in itself. But you know, also it'll help Rick and sure. you know help the, the, the projects there. So um, and again, the video version for this show notes, links, resources, all that stuff will be at naturalstacks.com/burnyourcouch. Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show. Uh, we will read your reviews on the air. When we do, uh, we'll hook you up with a little Natural Stacks care package. Uh, I'm going to read one for you now from the best nickname ever, really. <laughs> nice. It's well played. Uh, so, the best nickname ever, Really email me ryan at naturalstacks.com we'll get you a care package one of a kind five stars great podcast i've learned so much from listening much more than a typical podcast about health covering a wide range of topics that are stuffed with useful info to further the understanding about the body and the world around us but also providing actionable steps and tips to get the ball rolling to better health thanks ryan keep it up so thank you for that thank you guys for listening um I really hope that this episode has resonated with you guys. If it has, please share it with people in your life that you know who will benefit from and enjoy uh, this conversation, but also the things that we're talking about. Um, Rick, before we let you go, yeah, question that every guest has to answer, your top three tips to live optimal.
0: I should have known this. (laughs) I listen to your podcast all the
1: time. I can't tell you how many people listen to the show and then they come on and they're not ready for that question.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, take your time it's not live we can edit if we have to top three things to yeah. live all optimal mm-hmm. you know i think the first one is uh in this i've echoed this the whole entire conversation mm-hmm. um but stop looking for ways out of adversity
1: mm-hmm.
0: right uh, that's going to be the first one in your life um look for ways where you can you can build in and, and it can start anywhere my adversity and your adversity are not going to be the exact same thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, number one, you know, figure that out.
1: While you think about two and three. Yeah. I'm going to put in a plug for for you guys listening. Rick and I, because we're in the same geographical location, are going to record an episode in the future where we answer your questions while we sit in an ice bath. That may not be adversity for Rick, but. <laughs> no, I hate being cold. Called- I hate being cold, too. I can do it for, for a short period of time, especially if there's a sauna or a hot shower nearby. Yeah. Uh, but something tells me... Uh, so if you guys are not familiar with this concept, Mind Pump Media did a really cool episode where they did this as a QA. and um, a We're going to beat their time. I think the longest they lasted was like seven minutes. We're going to last longer than that. And we're, we're going to answer real questions, guys, not questions like Tupac or Biggie uh, or what kind of car do you want to drive. Uh, so if you guys listening have questions... Send them in, Ryan, at naturalstacks.com. Post them on social media, whatever. Uh, we will be compiling a list, and Rick and I will be facing adversity and, uh, and answering your questions on a
0: future episode. So, so I'm going to keep all these mindset-related. Okay. Um, the, the second one, which I talked about, is develop a positive counterfact. Yeah, continuously. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, every single time you find yourself in a situation that kind of sucks, mm-hmm. figure out a way around it. Like Build that muscle, mm-hmm. because then when you need it, it'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I cannot... Echo that strong enough, mm-hmm. um, so that is super important. Do you have any like actionable advice to, like, be more
1: aware of that in the moment when, like, what's what's a trigger that people can use to say, oh, this is one of those moments where I should do that, or, or even like in a in a reflective state to say that was a learning experience or that was a moment where I could have used it.
0: Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know if there's trick for me. I'm not naturally solution oriented, so really. If, yeah, no, I'm not. i uh, okay. not naturally. Like if, if I get put in a, in a difficult situation, I tend to start like kind of spiraling a little bit. And then you notice that. That's right. And, and I notice say... the like negative self-talk. And, right. you know, I think it. it I would say like, oh, I'm a dumbass or something like that. Just kind of half jokingly, tongue in cheek. I'd be like, God, I'm a fucking idiot. And my girlfriend would be like, stop saying that to yourself. You're going to start right. believing it. Right. And it, that like got, it was kind of a trigger for me. So um, the this is good because statement, like that really has pulled me out of some.
1: So is that something that times.
0: that is sort of newer in your life and doesn't necessarily date back to your training? Yeah, right. Very really? new. Okay. Very new. Okay. Um, like I said, before in training, I was the kind of guy, if I want something, I'll take it, right? Okay. I'll run through a wall if it's in front of me. But that only lasts so long. That's right. And it only right. gets you to a certain point. Right. And I've had to evolve and I've had to realize, like, no, you need to, like, ebb and flow with the tide, right? Right. And that this is good because statement has really helped me do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my car died a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh, this is good because I'll get some extra miles in. And then I ran to work and I got a new battery.
1: (laughs) There's something that that makes that statement more poignant for you than for other people. That you don't just drive your car, you live in your car. Not only have you burned your couch, (laughs) but but you live in your car by choice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You want to talk about why? Yeah, 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 yeah. explain that. Yeah, I mean, for me... People are always, you know, everyone always has sympathy for me. <laughs> They're always like, oh, I've got an extra room. I'm like, all right. You well, don't just
1: talk this <laughs> stuff. You, you live it.
0: Like- I do. Yeah. Um, for me, I like to create content. I've realized routine is a complete uh, enemy of creation for me. Okay. I get com- really creative when I start taking the routine away from my life. Uh-huh. So- um, living in your car does that. Uh, and then the other thing it does, I, I looked around my house because like, I was getting ready to sell it and I was thinking of whether I wanted to move into a new apartment or what I wanted to do. And I started looking around and I'm like, do I really need more stuff to walk past? Like, what is my goal in life? Is it to just accumulate as much shit as I can so that I can walk past a bunch of really cool stuff? Because that's all I do. 90% of the stuff in your house, most people, they just walk past it. Um, so for me, I realized, like, maybe I could do without it. So this was a little experiment in trying that. There's no way when I move back to the West Coast, I'm going to convince my girlfriend to get in on that. Um, how, how long have you been
1: uh, doing the car experiment? It's a couple of months now, right? Since June. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. A few months. Okay. I love it. I'm not gonna lie. On the weekends, I'll, if I want to go get some miles in, I'll cruise up to the Appalachian Trail and I got my whole house there. Yeah right. Right. And so keeping a mindset wise, yeah. um, the third thing and another thing I've kind of echoed throughout this entire conversation is, do you live for reasons beyond yourself. Finding your why in life, it's daunting. And people, uh, they shy away from it because mm-hmm. it's daunting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all of the systems that we have in modern culture were not meant to help you find your individualism, mm-hmm. right? Like school, for all of the good things it's done for a lot of people, it creates really obedient machines because society, in order to move forward, needs cogs. Right? And Mm so school trains you to be a cog in that machine. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is all the people that somehow step outside of that machine, the Steve Jobs of the world, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that end up building the machine for everybody else to follow. Yeah. And so I I really think that you need to spend a lot of time reflecting on your why in life, figuring out, find some purpose behind what it is. Have that purpose not be so self-centered and and it'll get you through some really tough times. And honestly, you'll look back and you've will done some really cool things. I think that's a pretty good way to close this thing. Cool. Rick, this has been awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. And you know what? I'm going to give you a copy of the book, and you can give it out to the listeners in any way you choose.
1: All right. We'll come up. Rick and I will brainstorm an idea, and I'll add that in to the end of this thing for you guys, and uh, we'll, we'll make it interesting. Yeah. How See about something cool. How about adversity? Yeah. Let's make people do you, something. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't make you. We'll no. just say you have to post on social media the most uh, whatever adversity you forced yourself to face.
0: Yeah, building and, adversity into your life.
1: Yeah, build adversity into your life. And uh, we'll let Rick choose the one that uh, that he thinks is most worthy of a copy of the book. Yeah, hashtag burn your couch, tag your Instagram, Ryan Munsey. Uh, Ryan Munsey underscore, and Rick's is run, lift, evolve.
0: Yep, run.lift.evolve, and then tag Natural Stacks. Of and course. We'll, and we'll uh, give this thing away. Something yeah.
1: cool. All right. I can't wait to see what people do. Me either. All right. Thanks, Rick. Perfect. Thanks.